0: Snakes in the Ganga, Breaking India 2.0. This is a smashing new book everybody's talking about. And we have with us the great authors who are really have uh, braced quite a storm here in India and abroad. uh, Vijaya and Rajiv. Vijaya Vishwanathan and Rajiv Merutra. Namaskar. Namaskar. So when you're talking about these snakes, who are these snakes? What is this new age L reptilia we're talking about? I mean, snakes, they have been around. Have you discovered a new species?
1: Yeah, there are new snakes (laughs) because, you know, there is new poison. Yes. Uh, The old poison was uh, in the work, the first book Breaking India. It was all about uh, Christian missionaries spreading poison. And there were snakes and about uh, Dravidianism. So that was there. So now there is things like critical race theory, which has turned into critical caste theory. And with intersectionality, they brought in minorities, try to make them oppressed people. Yes. And, and this whole
0: and protected classes
1: protected classes and cancel culture so yes. if you if you don't agree with them you're canceled you're not allowed to speak because you're the oppressor and oppressors cannot speak only the oppressed can speak so all of this stuff there is a new metaphysics and a new discourse new template which is the poison and there are the there is a whole army of snakes spreading this poison in the media in indian government in industry uh, in uh, academics and think tanks And then the idea of this book, the main contribution of this book is to figure out where is the nest of snakes? Where are they being produced? Where is the poison being injected? Who created this poison and started making all these snakes and send them worldwide? And that nest of snakes we identified as Harvard University.
0: So you've done, Vijaya, you both have worked on this book and you've done a lot of work, a lot of research. There is actually evidence here in the book that you have provided which actually says as to how this is being done so when you have something like critical race theory and you kind of superimpose it on the indian um, values and social system and uh, jat pranali caste system um, how does it pan out and what exactly is the issue that you
2: have with it so the like most leftist terminology the the uh, poison is packaged as amrit so the wish is like packaged okay. as amrit so on the surface things look Very nice. Who is not for upliftment of the marginalized? Exactly. We are all for, you know, uniting people, getting empowering them. Now, uh, to to find out why this is a problem, we have very systematically shown that recklessly mapping an American problem onto the Indian social context does not work for India. A because it does injustice to the people it is trying to give a voice to like the Dalits or the marginalized Muslims. So that's a problem. And it's also not we have different history, we have different cultures, we have different uh, civilizational ethos. So recklessly mapping critical race theory upon Indian society and calling it critical caste theory has serious issues for India. And they manifest in the form of breaking India forces for us because we are a very diverse country with many religions, languages, as everybody knows. So if you induce some of these ideas of victimhood randomly with no basis, it's definitely going to have fissures in India like we've never seen before.
0: And also, don't you find it a bit too simplistic and uh, not very bright <laughs> <laughs> to, to talk about the complex structure of caste, because even Ambedkar call it de- uh, graded degradation into a binary of black and
2: white. And, okay, not only that, it's also, uh, sorry, Rajiv, the, the, uh, now the allegation is that the British learnt caste system, you know, the uh, hierarchy and the oppression from India, from the caste system of India, and actually transported to America for, uh, you know, for the, you know, slavery and those kinds of ideas. So, this comes in. Yeah, I see. This comes
1: in, it says basically caste, Indian caste is the architecture of racism in America. So, it is Indian caste that the British learnt and from that they brought racism, they figured out how to map it. So, Indian caste was mapped to create American racism and then from there came uh, Nazism because the Germans learnt it from them. Germans so learnt this it. Is a the very, Aryan
0: this is a very, theory of the original Aryans. Yeah,
1: this is a very strange thing. So, we are being <laughs> accused of the all the racism in the world. There are passages from here we've quoted inside the book which actually say that this is a Pulitzer Prize winning author. This is New York Times number one bestseller. She's on Oprah. So this is this has gone viral. And you know, our people have not responded until we've done so.
0: So tell me something, the the, the entire thesis is that the social structure of of, uh, caste is equal to uh, to race now. And what are the repercussions of it? What are Indian students uh, facing over there? And is there going to be a divide there? And are we looking at reverse casteism now of some sorts?
1: Yeah. So, an important book by a Harvard professor, Ajanta Subramaniam, basically targets IITs. And she says that IITs are basically racist because they are casteist. And the whole structure, as a structure, they have from the beginning privileged upper caste and uh, oppressed Dalits. And then, then the thesis is that these guys who come to Silicon Valley, and become CEOs and big shots and all that are bringing casteism and hence racism into Silicon Valley, into American life. So, this is like the second coming of racism into America. The first coming was earlier by the British, as you explained. Now, tech industry should be targeted and we should do uh, caste studies on the tech industry. They've already started that. Do surveys to see if uh, they are oppressing caste in America, which would be illegal because there are race laws. So once you say caste is racism, then there are you apply American laws of racism. And, uh, on, on, so there was a case against Cisco. Yes. And, and the Cisco got rattled but they defended it. But mm-hmm. it's still going on in appeal. And now they're going to these same people are going to Microsoft and Google and all these big uh, tech companies mm-hmm. and saying that we want to conduct caste sensitivity training. And so, Satya Nadell had to sit in a briefing and according to some people who told me later, he didn't say a word, he didn't protest because he was advised that if you raise issues, you'll be called a racist. That's called, that's the cancel culture. You're not supposed to protest. You're supposed to sit there quietly and apologize and say, yep, I'm guilty and then they'll leave you alone. But they charge $75,000 an hour, some of these consultants. So, it's a nice business. And they go to super rich to kind of get some money out of them, get a few million dollars out of them and give them caste sensitivity training. And this is going on in Google, it's going on everywhere. And this is pretty serious. Because they also want to lobby to change American laws, H-1B visa laws. Because they are saying that this business of meritocracy is a sham. This book says that meritocracy in IITs is a sham. It's a cover for caste privilege. Really, you are casteist but you are calling it merit. So when you come to United States on the grounds of merit, this H-1B visa, you're importing a lot of the upper caste people and denying the lower caste people a fair chance. And so this may, this may affect, not only this has affected Silicon Valley and rattled them, but this will affect also Indian tech industry. Because Microsoft and all these people have, headquarter- have uh, operations in India. Lacks of Indians work there. So the yes. HR policies, HR policies of Silicon Valley will be applied to India to their subsidiaries and to the outsourcing suppliers. Then the same thing will happen in the auto industry, same thing will happen in the pharma industry. And so, you know, they will start thinking of, okay, are you importing your products mm-hmm. from a racist uh, factory uh, in India? If it is caste biased, then it's a racist factory. So, there will be laws in, in the U.S. saying that trade, trade has to be sensitive to whether there is casteism, racism at the at the place where, from where you are importing. So The ramifications of this are huge.
0: So on the face of it, it looks like there is some cost correction and the collation of uh, Dalit Afro identity yes. of sorts. But actually it's a sinister design to yes. attack something that we are so proud of. One yeah. industry that takes India, where India is uh, headed uh, to a much greater place. They're attacking exactly that. Yes. And so there is, you, you think there is a deliberate effort uh, through semantics and uh, uh, scholarships scholarships of
2: this kind. Yes. Yeah. This. Uh, to go back to what Ajanta Subramani is trying to yes. say in very simple terms is that she's saying for millennia, the upper mm-hmm. caste have been thugs, looting, yeah. the looters, looters. Yeah. so I, they have something called caste capital, which they've accumulated from one, one generation to another, and you get this caste capital just by being born in an upper caste family. So you you carry this capital with you. And now the upper-caste don't want anything to do with caste. They're saying, let's be a caste society because it's convenient for them. Because now they've converted all that so-called inherited caste capital into merit. Yeah. And with that merit, they are, it's a very, um, uh, fluid currency. So it can go to America. You can carry it anywhere with you. You have networks. You, you can use, you can build institutions based on merit, which then serves your own purpose. So this kind of a ridiculous, uh, and almost like a tribalism
0: of sorts. Avoke yeah. yeah. tribalism of sorts because you just become your identity. You end up perpetuating it and not even transcending it. Correct.
1: But that's the whole idea because that's where Marxism comes in. Yes. Marxism says that there are the world consists of oppressed and oppressors. Yeah. That's the whole world. So, the idea is to keep <laughs> identifying oppressed and tell them who the oppressors are and make them fight and break it up. Originally, Marx thought that the, his theory was that it's economic only. So the oppressed are the people who don't have means of production. They're peasants and they're factory workers. And the oppressors are people who own these things. They own the assets. But then later on it was changed and broadened. And, And after World War II, some of the German Marxists, like mainly Herbert Marcuse, they came to the United States and they Americanized Marxism. This is something not well understood, but we brought this out here. They Americanized Marxism because they turned it into race. So they said, Blacks are the oppressed, whites are the oppressors. So this became critical race theory. Before critical race theory, there was critical legal theory, started by a Harvard Law School professor who coined the term critical legal theory. And there, his work was to apply this Marxism to the legal system, saying that within the law, blacks get more persecuted, they get longer sentences. He came up with a lot of data and and he applied Marxism as sort of the the oppressed are the blacks and they need to revolt against all this. Right. So, the manifestation now is defunding police and all of these things that are happening. Now, we are sympathetic with the blacks. We don't want people to get the of impression course. that we are not sympathetic with the blacks. We are against applying this to India. Because we think you cannot apply this to India. its It doesn't make any sense.
0: Absolutely. And don't, isn't somebody asking them a very basic question mm. and that um, if identities are not frozen. The oppressor in me becomes oppressed at times, and the uh, and, and same goes on, right? Which is why there is black feminism because obviously there were so many women who felt that issues were not being mm. dealt with, uh, with the with the uh, which with BLM would talk about or even other movements would talk about because they had a separate issues of their own. By that logic, there should be a you know a movement for Muslim women, and Parsi women, and Sikh women. So they would right. all be. So if you were to look at just those identities and freeze them. Would, be, we would We would cease to be any other identity and that would oh, indeed be very difficult. But you so, know, how do they explain that?
1: But you know, there is no end to how many identities you can claim. Exactly. So, I could start a movement, bald men.
0: Uh, bald <laughs> men are oppressed.
1: Bald men are oppressed. I will give data. They don't get this and that and whatnot and yes. whatnot. Yeah. So, we start a bald men oppressed and we join the other oppressed in the world. And we start dismantling all the structures of society <laughs> because all the structures of society that from the history from the religion from family are being attacked because yeah. the structures of society reproduce this bias in the next mm-hmm. generation so the idea um, is that f- now these guys are attacking like for example this Harvard guy in the yes. Harvard Kennedy School he's their poster boy Suraj Jengde, Sura Jengde. and Jengde. he goes and says I'm yeah. black the and, and and he, he's trying, he's got he's wearing mm-hmm. black stuff and all that yeah, so yeah, he yeah. is against Indian family he says that he tells the students mm-hmm. there that uh, you should, Defy your parents, break the family, because the family reproduces the old bias, old oppression through the kids into the next. Propagates caste. By, by, merely, by merely living a life of a certain kind, you're raised in a family and then you imbibe these values. So, okay. the, unless you break family, you're not going to get rid of it. So, you've got to break the country, you've got to break the, all the laws. All, you know, you are, it's really a Marxist revolution. Which is why
0: reading this book and breaking India 2.0 yes. is so important. Yes. So, when you're talking about st- beginning with different units of social conditioning, whatever they may be, whether it's a home or school or institutions, and then the country, wh- what is the end game? Vijaya, what do you see as the end game? Because we must get to that, right?
2: Yeah. get so to the chase. So, there's something you,
0: happening here which is working against the interests of India right. and development and going ahead and the pan India identity. You so, see so i is there an effort to kind of which is why I dismantle Hindutva and all of that is happening so yes. like, so mm-hmm. the
2: idea here is the more victim uh, victim groups you form uh, they will all have an uprising of a, of some sort now it doesn't help the victims, so let's be very yes. clear although Suraj uh, surajenge is is so called a dalit voice, the dalits the dalits on the ground are not being helped by what he's trying to do, because it's not about making them. Uh, it's about lowering standards, for example, of entrance exams. And that's not helping uh, Dalits because they're saying math itself is patriarchy. And therefore, we need to dismantle that we need to dismantle everything. So Marxism essentially, like Rajiv said, is used to dismantle different things, it's a very good tool, Marxism or critical race theory all very good tool to dismantle everything. and. Uh, they are not very good at rebuilding anything. So the whole idea is that you dismantle everything and, and then redistribute resources. And so they a very a good whole job of it. So there's see, a whole talk a of reparations. Of communism. Right. And there's <laughs> see, a whole talk of reparations. All kinds of… it's like uh, Suraj for giving land to Dalits. And
1: 10,000 10, Dalits a year should be funded by the Indian government to go to Harvard. To learn. Those are his
2: proposals.
1: And then then he'll build (laughs) build his army of Indian government should fund 10,000 people. It costs 70,000 a year. Dollars a year. And is it
0: taken seriously at at Harvard? Well,
1: the point is that Harvard takes uses such people, in my opinion, as useful idiots. They're useful idiots in the sense that I don't think they're going to help. He personally lives a nice cushy life because he's a big shot there. But I don't think the average trickles down to the average Dalit. So, this is, this, is, this is also true like any identity politics. The people who are spinning the identity politics, getting elected, they are living a nice cushy life. But the average person is being used.
0: So, there should be a new book, what they shouldn't teach at Harvard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not what they don't teach at Harvard uh, Business School, but what they should be teaching, business or any school. Um, how do corporates fit in? You know, your first book was about uh, the Jhola Bala, the JNU yeah. mm-hmm. folks, the Christian missionaries. And all they did to dismantle um, India's progress or, you know, put, uh, uh, let's say, shoot it down. Now, this new thing that we see is uh, has a backing of uh, big corporates. Yes. So, which are the Indian corporates we're talking about? You know, you name them if you, feel yes. so, because so we have I, named them here. Sure,
1: sure. I want to go back off and say this is something very personal for me. I see. Because 30 years ago when I started, I gave up my business. Yes. In order to pursue a certain passion to help my civilization. Yes. And one of the places, first things I did was to fund Harvard. And I became I a big hero in okay. Harvard. Because the I was… Fund, was this? This was in the uh, late 90s. In the late, late 90s. 90s, we were funding Harvard Annual Indology Conference. Before they called it South Asia, it was called Indology, the study of India. First. I was funding yeah. it. And, and I realized that there is a lot of bias. So, I started arguing against them. And they didn't I want see. me to argue. They wanted my money, but they didn't want my involvement. Mm. They wanted a passive donor, but no involvement. But I am a scholar type, so I wanted yes. to get involved. Yes. And then we funded visiting professor. We funded twice or thrice visiting professor to Harvard. One was uh, uh, this uh, uh, Ashoka Kluchkar, very famous Sanskrit guy. And one was uh, Arvind Sharma. So, these people became visiting professors. We funded it. So, my presence at Harvard is far before uh, uh, Mahindra went there, Lakshmi Mittal went there, Piramal went there, any of these people, they were not there at all. So I was there and I was a very popular guy, very big hero and they wanted to felicitate me and I could have continued if I wanted to sell my culture. I could have continued and become an important person at Harvard because there was nobody else there. I withdrew because I felt as a matter of principle, I'm funding the crocodiles. I call it feeding the crocodiles. You feed the crocodiles, they're not going to become a puppy puppy dog. They're going to remain vicious as a crocodile. That's their DNA. So I don't want to keep uh, feeding them. But I learned a lot. By being in the midst, by being an insider as a funding guy, very hands-on and involved, I learned how the system works. I learned the inner workings of Harvard, who's who, how the thing works. And then I withdrew. And for a few years there was a vacuum. And then they went around uh, trying to get other uh, Indians to fund. And that's when the new Indians jumped in that vacuum. So I'm very concerned that they have sold out in a sense because I rejected that. I rejected that. I went and had a meeting at Anand Mahindra's office in Mumbai, yes. in the, in his headquarters, because S. Guru Murti introduced me there, yes. and I gave him a presentation saying, "This is why it's wrong," and I wish you would not fund because there were rumors he might. And at the, he was a very nice guy. He's a very decent man. I like him, but you know he ended up funding whatever his reasons may be. Same way, Piramal. I've been to the Piramal Tower at least twice. Met yes. Ajay Piramal. Yes. Like him a lot. He's a wonderful person but i gave him all the logic why they should be funding many years back but they funded so you know they cannot say why didn't you tell us privately because i did and i have the lived experience of negotiating with harvard so now what has happened is the indian industrialists have taken over uh, this funding of harvard it does two things it gives them their name family name so now there's legitimacy so, now the yes, guy who is uh, Surajendaya goes to uh, Mithal, mm-hmm. L- Lakshmi Mithal South Asia studies conference on something and it's in the banner in the back and he's standing there coming up with all this bullshit. And so, it's, uh, the average person <laughs> thinks that, you know, this is Lakshmi Mittal, But Mal- Lakshmi Mittal needs to know that his family name is being used in this way. And it's yes. going to upset Indians. Yes. And, the, and this is what we are trying to do. We're That's not,
0: anti-India, totally. Yeah,
1: we are no. not, not accusing the Indian billionaires of being bad guys. They are probably yes. being taken for a ride. Yes. Because they are rich people, they give them money thinking everything is fine. Because when they go to Harvard, they tell them all kind of good things. Maybe they they put some uh, India, pro-India show for, to make them happy. But I are don't these, think they have uh, audited. They have not audited.
0: They haven't yeah. audited.
1: And the corporate people are supposed to audit their investments. I mean, if you start a factory, you have an auditor come and see how is it going, what's wrong, what should I know. Similarly, if you are a philanthropist, you need a civilizational audit. So, in a sense, we yes, are doing Ra- the civilization.
0: But ji beyond that, ideologically speaking, wokeism is incompatible with leftism. Yes. Totally. And now the corporates are backing this, this culture. How does that help their cause also, the cause of corporates? Because- so,
1: you can speculate, you can speculate that maybe, maybe I'm not accusing anyone, but maybe it's hush money in a sense. It says that I'll fund these guys so they don't leave me alone. Because maybe otherwise they'll come to my factory and say that we have prejudice and we have oppressed people. We are not, yeah. we are, we are not again. We are not doing enough for minorities or women or Dalits or whatever it is. But I'm funding these guys. Maybe they will leave me alone. Uh, maybe I'll get good. Off. Maybe I'll get good ESG ratings. ESG, ESG is yeah. this environment, environment social, social justice, justice and, and governance. And, and that this is needed to get good investments. So now these ESG wala's who are all Harvard educated and Harvard, Harvard kind of. You know, if you are funding this prestigious thing of social justice in Harvard, then you are a good guy. You are already, your ESG rating is high. So, I am not sure how transparent this is. I am not sure what they are getting out of it. Is it, are they getting their kids yes. in college? Are they, a, are they getting a seat at the table because they are rubbing shoulders with Bill Gates and people like that because they are at the high. Now they are the Goras. They are already Goras and they are in the world elite. These are billionaires. So Harvard is a good ticket for being considered a very polished, sophisticated, learned person because, you know, you're funding Harvard. But I think that the problem is if you're an auto manufacturer, you should fund something in your industry that you understand, that you can benefit from, that you can evaluate. What do you know about postmodernism? I would like to know what would what do these guys know about postmodernism? Mm-hmm. And yet, uh, the Baba, who's a, one of the famous postmodernists, is running their running their thing. Do you really know that postmodernist deconstruction of your culture is going on, and what the implications are? Do you really know that? What do you know about social justice? What do you know about uh, intersectionality? What What do you know about these things? These guys probably don't know a whole lot. So they've given money without without the care of due diligence. And a proper a proper review. They should have every year a review report saying on with my money and with my name, what is being done, I need yes. to know. And I need to make it public. And if the public thinks that this is bad, I want Harvard to know that they should stop things anyway, directly or indirectly, associated with my name, which are embarrassing to my country. I don't want to do. China does that. But India does
2: it. We've compared in the book how China manages Harvard versus how India mismanages. And with China they, they have a very clear agenda. They fund Harvard. They steal a lot of technology. They don't bring in liberal arts into their country. There are certain topics that are totally banned at Harvard that China does not want you to talk about, like you know, the Tibetan issue or um, or the because, Hong Kong freedom Uga struggle Muslims. or yeah, Yuga Muslim in fact, Yuga Muslims the, the guys who the, the people who actually expanded the camps. Yes. Right? Harvard trained selected is it George? by the yes, CCP are. We've named sent we, we are two, two fellows can and they still are there I mean they probably and they go back to China and they run the concentration camps for the Yuga Muslims and Harvard doesn't say they're Harvard trained
0: and advocates of this theory also have uh, uh, a lot to say about Islamophobia and they're yeah. working legally to have a structure that people who are uh, you know um, Islamophobic and countries that are Islamophobic should be called out so Isn't that strange? But I also, also want to say that there has been a lot of uh, injustice against Dalits, against Muslims in many places. Also, that is also a reality. Yes. Of course, nothing can be spoken of uh, in, in a vacuum. Uh, there are so many dynamics in place. So uh, would your effort to tear into a prestigious university the most, in fact, Harvard and to call them out on this be seen as something uh, Islamophobic or anti Dalits? So or too brahmanical.
1: So let me tell you. <laughs> let me let me tell you that. Or the tr- tyranny
0: of the brahmanical faith.
1: No, system. but I, first of all, it takes a lot of courage and a lot of due diligence uh, yes. to to put it out because we know that they are big shots. Right. And, uh, okay. Uh, so we are not taking on a trivial uh, target, but yes. the biggest there is. It's it, because if they are not opposed, power corrupts, and they become too arrogant. They become too arrogant because with cancel culture, they can go on saying whatever the hell they want. And nobody else is out to speak against them, except we are writing a book. Uh, you know, because they are not inviting us. They are not inviting us. We have tried many times, many Harvard people have tried bringing us in for a counter view. And they are not inviting us because they cancel us out. So, this is arrogance on their part. That's one thing. Second thing is… It's
0: also intolerance of the worst kind. That is. It's t- truly fascist as they like to call others.
1: Yes. So, the, uh, not? The, uh, and, and the other thing is, we are not against uh, the uprising or the better, betterment of Dalits or Muslim minorities or LGBTQ. We sympathize with them. But I think resources exist within the countries. You don't need a global dunda. You, you don't need somebody who is not accountable to any government. Uh, they are just basically spreading all this stuff and they have the power. They have the legal resources. They have influence in Washington. They have money. And they are hiring a lot of Indians to come and uh, wine-dine them and tr- turn them into these snakes and send them back. That, I think, is similar to Oxford role during the East India Company. Oxford played that role that Harvard is playing now. So, it is the hegemony of power that we are against. We're not, we are not, we want justice, we want debate, but India is full of debate. India has a, has a vibrant democracy. India has a legal system. Why does India need Harvard to tell us, how to fix our social justice when the United States has not fixed its own social justice. How can you export solutions to problems that are right there in your neighborhood? Within Cambridge, Massachusetts, where Harvard is based, there is so many social problems. There is so much social injustice. Harvard itself has such a lot of crime, has rapes, large percent of women feeling harassed. They have not That's been true. able to fix their own. And they are out there trying to lecture us and use and use all kinds of oppression to uh, force us. This is absolutely unfair.
2: In in fact, I can give you a poignant example of how some of this woke ideas come into, say, a, a place like Ashoka University. Now, Ashoka University is conducting research to move. So typically, let me back up a bit. Most of the NGOs, the Indian funded NGOs or people in India who donate money for charitable causes are providing money for something called services. Healthcare, education, food, things like shelter, bathrooms, toilets, uh, you know, women's health, all of that. That's called services mm-hmm. in the nonprofit space. And there is something else called advocacy and rights, where you, you go and fight for rights. Now Indians typically have been funding the services for people like education, marginalized. If there is a, a, a marginalized Muslim community, you go provide a t- tutoring center, things like that. Now. Ashoka is using these woke ideologies, doing research, how and and their problem is typically we've had foreign funding for rights and advocacy, but with the FCRA tightening, um, those uh, foreign funds have been strangled. Now how do we move local people, uh, local donors from giving services? How do we move them to advocacy? How do we change their behavior? Now, if you are truly interested in improvement of the dalit average dalit on the street or the average poor Muslim, yes, you would encourage people to do more of services exactly in healthcare and education and awareness and all of these things. In fact, they're not doing that. Yes. so it's a very clear agenda of divisive uh, you know propaganda the of propaganda. how do you divide people?
1: It's politics rather than services Of, That's course, what of
2: course very clearly so. So I've been a victim of
0: cancel culture not just once but many times. And uh, so, if there is a if there is a woman, and a Muslim woman something? in the BJP, yeah. um, she would not get uh, uh, any any space whatsoever in these places. I witnessed this in New York. I witnessed this here in the universities in India. So, and this, this entrenched left is so um, stubborn and so self-righteous, almost smugly so, that they would not allow another voice of dissent. But they are talking about freedom of expression and speech and civil liberties. Yes. So hypocrisy over hijab, let's say. Let's talk about the new thing that's happening. That all of these people in India where there was a controversy over, uh, not a controversy, uh, actually a legal battle about hijab. When I spoke against hijab saying it's not a right to choose are the same people uh, uh, who are now saying that uh, what's happening in Iran is correct. So in India, they are for hijab and in Iran, they are against hijab.
1: You and I were both at the Jaipur Literary Festival right. when there was this drama with Suhail Sait and all that stuff yes, and I, yes. I had a back and forth. Went About viral. me having
0: joined the BJP.
1: Yeah, you having joined the BJP yeah. and I went, we went back and forth. I got cancelled after that. Jaipur Literary Festival won't call me. And mm-hmm. the person who is the head of it tells me that this Daryl Limple doesn't like you. And this Roy guy doesn't like you. And so they've canceled you. And I'm while she's the director, this lady, she's a well-known person, is a good friend of mine. But she doesn't have the power to do anything. So that's how the politics works. It's very smug. It's very indirect and very insidious and not transparent. So this is the first thing. Your question was on what? The the question on on Islamophobia.
0: On Islamophobia. Exactly.
1: But so, yeah. So. So let me just give people a background on Islamophobia laws and, and stuff in the United States. And you
0: push back.
1: Okay. And my pushback. Why? So the Democrats, uh, uh, the progressive wing of the Democrats, which is really into wokeism, uh, not the mainstream Democrats. Uh, they came up with this law that says that Islamophobia will become a criminal offense illegal under American law anywhere in the world so if in india somebody islamophobic under american law would apply and they could put sanctions so this passed the us congress a huge vote the republicans didn't they voted against it democrats voted for it and they had enough votes and so they it passed then it went to the problem i had with it is that why only islamophobia why not phobia? why not uh, christian phobia jewish phobia buddhist phobia why not if you want to be against phobias of religion Uh, those who are slandering or against a religion, then put all the religions in there. And why why do you single out one? It's against the American constitution to give preferences to a religion. This would actually be unconstitutional even. And why would you make the Muslims feel different from the others? It would probably create tensions between Muslims and non-Muslims because non-Muslims would feel that these guys are a protected class. We cannot criticize them, but they can criticize us because there is no law uh, uh, applying to protect us in the same way. So, I went to Cory Booker, senator, who put it on the Senate floor for voting. And if he had not intervened, it would have probably passed and become U.S. law. And then Mm -hmm. Biden would have signed it and this would be trouble. So, Senator Cory Booker is a New Jersey senator. He's my senator. I voted for him. I funded him. A lot of Indians voted for, uh, are funding uh, Senator Cory Booker. He comes to Princeton where I live and he Mm -hmm. comes to people's homes and we have a lot of celebration. He's very pro-India. I called my friends and said, Indian friends and said, you know he's done this and they didn't want to touch it. They, because it's controversial. They want to be in everybody's good books. Privately they said, haam, but I don't want to stick my name out. So, I went public. I wrote a Dear Cory Booker, a whole thing which is on the, uh, available and I said that you should either have the phobias of all religions be uh, banned under the law or not have Islamophobia per se. Because you cannot single out one religion. So, what happened is, that bill has not moved forward. It has not gone to vote. It's sort of dead. For now. For now. So, we did succeed in achieving something. Now, but the the forces that are behind it are still there. There are some uh, Congresswomen, particularly who are very Mm pro-Pakistan. And they constantly attacking India and they visited Kashmir and all that stuff. Pakistan occupied Kashmir. So, in the US Congress and Senate, there are these very anti-India, anti-
2: the there,
1: there, there, the Omar, there are those kind of people. And this is a serious problem. But the Indian consulate and embassy and uh, the elite in Delhi, they are firefighting. Even Jay Shankar, it's like he's got a fire extinguisher. When there's a fire here, he responds. When there's a fire here, he responds. But he has not gone deep and figured out where is it coming from, which is what we are doing. He has not figured out what is the theory what is the entire ecosystem which is producing this that's what we are doing and we are hoping that
0: it's a cause of great worry that uh, the university campuses in america are becoming nesting grounds and breeding grounds for the al- reptilia yes and uh, what do you make of this uh, whole uh, i call it this, this is my so uh, mullah Marxist nexus and there has been when i say mullah i don't talk about uh, the real uh, luminaries of islam and people who understand the subject but who use islamization this entire thing of um, what do you make of this entire thing of uh, the nexus that is coming now along with the left other islamists and now there are the corporate backers and the fashionable uh, academic circles too so how do you counter something as huge as that and how to make people see that the real idea is to attack India and Mm -hmm. all that it stands for and its progress and development. Because after all, India is getting bigger and growing bigger and Mm -hmm. it's the fifth largest economy Mm -hmm. now. So, do you think there is a connection? And why would a prestigious institution like Harvard uh, propagate and promote uh, Mm -hmm. snakes of this kind?
1: Yeah. So, you know, there is jealousy. They don't want another China. They don't want a unified India that will become another China. Then there will be two billion plus countries that are after them. So, there is that kind of a thing. There is also Indians going there and using them to help the Indian politics. So, you see Rahul Gandhi being interviewed at Harvard. And he makes some kind of statements like this also. So, you see, uh, you you see Amartya Sen's uh, uh, this guy ba- uh, boss uh, uh, this uh, sugata Bose. sugata, sugata was. Bose was a, was a mp in the in Mamata banerjee TMC. Uh, tmc and he's a harvard professor i have right. known him for 25 30 years he is one of those guys and he is really into that and he trains these people and he's brought in and he hates me i mean he's canceled me many times yeah. so you know so what has happened it's is it's
0: great to be hated huh yeah, yeah, i yeah. love to be hated
1: <laughs> so so the thing is the, the thing is that uh, well, it toughens you. It toughens you as you say, okay, no, I'm I'm for principles. This is my swadharma. I'm doing it for that. I don't want a job. I don't want a recognition. You cannot hire me. You cannot fire me. So, you know, you can attack me. Mm-hmm. But here is my point of view. And maybe we can debate. You, you can keep saying that. So now, the, but to your question, I would say Indians who are, who feel that they can use a Harvard mm-hmm. to improve, build themselves up against yeah, fellow yeah. Indians are sort of like the Raja going to the East India Company and saying, let me fight the other Raja. The Indian Rajas brought the East India Company into things that the East India Company didn't even know existed. They educated them about this divide and rule and how to divide and rule and all that. And they paid the price because ultimately, the British ended up not supporting one guy against another, but ended up getting both of them. So, this business of dividing up India will not result in the rise of the Dalits or the rise of the Muslims or rise of, you know, return of uh, Pakistan taking over India. at all. It will be just chaos. United States has built, has created chaos in many countries, destroyed them, but never built them up. United States destroyed Afghanistan and Iraq and other places there and Vietnam War. And when they're all destroyed and all that stuff, maybe it's good for the dollar, maybe it's good for oil currency, maybe it's good for keeping them under control. But whatever it is, you cannot say that they actually after destroying built them up. So, it's, right. it's one thing to destroy for, in the name of human rights. And 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 the sustenance to go there and rebuild only happened for Europe because they are fellow white people. The rebuilding of Europe after World War II. But it, it is not something that would ever happen in India after the destruction of India. So, Indians have to be very concerned and not go running to Harvard to get help against your fellow Indians. Uh, that is my problem with this guy. I've in fact called him many times and said, let's talk. We are both from the same culture. Yes. And you have a problem. Let's work together. I will help you. I will be an ally for you. But let's keep it within the control of the uh, our own people.
0: I mean, it's so amusing. It's almost like dumbification of serious discourse and making it so trivial and making it just about one particular identity. Uh, but I want to go further and want to talk to both of you about something even more um a kick ass that you both have done i mean you which is you've gone and attacked somebody very important and in the indian judiciary or somebody who's going to be uh the chief justice of india and this you did i think so i want to talk about that what what just because it, he quoted some of this and critical race theory does that make him also uh uh, uh somebody complicit in this kind of a process uh,
2: with, with the end game of which is break breaking of India. So we, we did not really criticize the chief justice or assign any motives to what his, uh, you know, his, um, uh, proceedings are. So we did not assign motives. All we are doing is saying that he's being informed by certain social theories coming from the West especially harvard and And he he should know better he he in fact quotes he quotes uh, from these guys he quotes from these people he quotes
1: from all these people names them and quotes them and
2: and says these are very you know he says we have to use in fact in one of the videos uh, not only impressed and he said we have to use these ideas of intersectionality and how we look at problems and how we frame solutions you know so that's i'm paraphrasing but that's what he's saying So, uh, so he's being informed by them. And we are saying that we have provided a rejoinder to the very same people and scholarship that he mentions, and we are just urging him and others who are in decision-making positions to read our rejoinders. You don't have to take it. So you have a balanced view, especially as, as a judge or somebody in the legal field, you have to listen to multiple viewpoints before making a judgment. So we are just saying, okay, a it's good to be rooted in Indian civilizational ethos. So you should know what sure. applies to our country, but that apart, we just don't want to randomly and recklessly map some theories of, you know, social science that applies to a totally different civilization with a totally different history and bring it on to India. Yes, and and then apply it randomly. So because it affects a lot of people, for example. If you if you he you know in one of the statements he says we should redefine merit is should should it be based on entrance examinations for example the iits now if you do not base it on entrance examinations what will you base it on so the whole idea there are many families that work extremely hard spend their entire savings on tuition and things like that to get their children a chance at success now the decisions that our institutions and uh, legislation bring, they make, affects these kinds of families. An average, you know, lower middle class family that is struggling to give an opportunity for their children, right? right. It affects all these individual families. This is the reality. This is the lived reality of millions of Indians. And they all want a chance at education. They want a chance at success. So we should know about what we're talking about. and, And this affects everybody. So,
1: so, you know, what we want is in jurisprudence, you always have two sides. Mm-hmm. So if you bring your witnesses, he, you quote some witnesses as expert testimony, like the way he quotes Harvard people, then the other side is the right to cross-examine them. We have not been given the right to cross-examine them. We've cross-examined yes. them in this book. We have a whole chapter on Chura Jende. We have a whole chapter on Janta Subramanian. Mm-hmm. Everything he's talking about, we have separate, separate chapters. It's got 22 chapters we're studying in great detail. He needs to read our cross-examination and the way we are refuting the same people that he considers to be the gospel truth. And we need to be able to bring to his attention our point of view and he has to look at it. Mm-hmm. So, the due process that happens in any reasonable court has not been done by the justice when he quotes one side and, does, and totally cancel out the other side.
0: Yes, and also very, uh, it sounds very ominous and it's terrible that uh, we would have these influences uh, at that level, corporates, academia, judiciary, because it impacts who we are and what we are going to do ahead as a nation.
1: And that's uh, why... B- you know, in
0: India, there are parties which believe in this meme bheem identity, this Muslim Dalit identity. And using this victimhood card and this victimization, the entire the persecution theories and victimization theories to, to make it into a political movement. Uh, Of course a lot is being done to offset that and this is the the greatness of of today's government that it believes in dispensation of justice which is uh, is unhindered by any caste considerations or religious considerations. There would be nobody uh, accusing our government of um, uh, not dispensing with the government schemes equitably. However, this brings in a, a lot of ugliness in the social fabric what do you have to say about that because the 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 uh, sabka saath sabka vishwas is very is a very important uh, part of uh, the ruling party and the its motto it's creed, that it has as a principle governs governance but when these these conversations begin how much does this damage the the internal social fabric
1: so you know what we have found is that at harvard they've never had this point of view represented i would like uh, yes. Lakshmi mittal to please at the La- Lakshmi Mittal Center for South Asia Studies. Uh, fine, you are doing great work. But please bring this point of view. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the st- one of the most brilliant uh, persons who studied caste and uh, the effect of caste on economics and the jati structures and all that is R. at yes. IIM Bangalore. He has not been invited. His books have never been cited on one topic after another, one conference after another about the caste and its impact on economics. But they've never brought this. Exactly. They've never brought this. They've never brought a person like you. Not only yes. they should bring you in person, but they should quote you. When they're quoting the other side, they should also quote quote you. Yes, and they then talk about
0: genocide against Muslims. Yes. Which is, of course, a figment of somebody's imagination. And we should not even dignify it with an answer. One, but they also talk about what what is oppression against women. But I, as Shazi Elmi from BJP, talks about the oppression of women. In the in the community itself and why hijab should be done away with why the triple talaq the bill has to be there and I'm glad it's enacted and why none of the so-called secular parties have stood for the minority within the minority but then I don't have a voice because I'm cancelled just like so, you are
1: so you raised an earlier issue about hijab here versus in the yes. Iran and the double standards. so now I also I'll tell you when Nupur Sharma Yes. Uh, said something which was considered Islamophobic. It created a furor and yes. lo- a lot of legal action. But when Salman Rushdie wrote it, he was protected by the liberals mm. as uh, free speech. And when, uh, 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 you know, when the French guys and the Danish cartoons, uh, you know, uh, came, they were protected. So the global left has double standards. So when it's some white guy doing something, uh, it's protected as free speech. Mm. And they didn't allow uh, the, this fear of Islamophobia to overrule free speech. Because uh, Salman Rushdie is a big hero in Britain uh, uh, and America among those liberal people. But when a much milder version was Mm. said by Nupur Sharma, I mean, I'm not saying that uh, you should criticize Islam. I'm not saying you should not criticize Islam. I'm saying it should be the same rules. That's what I'm saying. Whatever applies to Europeans should apply to Indians. It should not be that Indians are not allowed to say certain things, but Europeans are saying it and becoming heroes within the eyes of the same liberal left. So there is a double standard.
0: Yes, and when they're talking about lynchings of a particular community and pick up three incidents unrelated to each other, they do not talk about the beheading of a, of a Hindu tailor, mm. and because it's just not convenient, it does not merit a panel discussion. Mm. Yes, it does not merit uh, mention even of any of the in any of the uh, very uh, difficult-sounding <laughs> um, you know brochures and uh, the activities. See, the best,
1: the best thing you can do for Muslims. Is being reasonable, being fair, and saying I want justice for my people, but I offer the same as justice to the other other communities, yeah. like you're doing, and that makes Muslims like our people, our Swadeshi Muslims. Exactly. Whereas, whereas a very one-sided, uh, extreme, unreasonable bias of one kind against others is divisive, and reasonable people shouldn't support it. So that's that's the difference between you know supporting true Muslims who want to be who are embedded in the culture, embedded in Indianness, and who want to work with all kinds of people versus supporting those who want to go to Harvard and hit India and try to create divisiveness and get sanctions and come up with all kinds of useless things. So, we are for minority. But you know, they
0: are not, not thinking enough because they are very serious questions that are still unanswered. Like when I brought to their notice that 40% more Muslim girls now go to schools and the dropout rate uh, of Muslim girls in secondary, uh, secondary level education has come down from 70 to 30, which is why 40% more girls go to schools. And isn't that empowerment Mm -hmm. in the last eight years? And shouldn't you give uh, our prime minister credit for that, for such wonderful schemes, making access possible and uh, giving scholarships? Uh, You know, there is no answer. They but do that not is building, right? So anything. So they are building. They are yeah. they're,
1: they're just not a they're right. Si- you. Exactly. It's a cancer culture.
0: And also, what do you make of this complete righteousness mm. and this uh, uh, the uh, this all-knowing nature of theirs that they are right, others are wrong? Don't you think it's supremacist? In, uh, they're being supremacist at
2: another level. Mm. In fact, something they're calling out in others. I see, yeah. the one thing you to show the use of pronouns. Let's talk. Right? Yes. Yes. Now the corporates all embrace it without, you know without even questioning now this is again it's a very narcissistic thing to to mandate somebody else to use a pronoun and nowadays you have all kinds of pronouns Z's, Z's, M, kind of, Z, them, all kinds of that's right language is for transaction and to hijack language itself shows the kind of attitude that you mentioned or that the left has self-righteous that this has to be so there are 100 people that you're having transactions with to remember each one's individual pronouns, apart from their names, yes, is, is, is ridiculous. And it just shows how narcissistic one is yes. as to how one should be referred to in the absence of their presence. So when I'm not there is when you use pronouns to That's refer right. to as she or he, but then I mandate what you say about me. I mean, how much more fascist can you get? So this kind of a narcissistic attitude is how is what builds is a foundation of these ideologies and and the corporates don't ask about a- anything about this. It's quite evident that the social media platforms and apps are not
0: just that they're propaganda machinery. Right. So should India seriously think of banning some of these uh, American social media platforms just like China has done and look to creating our own.
1: So I wrote a book called artificial intelligence and the future of power in fact uh, last year. Uh, and uh, tomorrow, it's going to be launched uh, once more because of Covid. We didn't do it. It began Bhavan, uh, it, uh, with the ministry people, telecom people and so on. Uh, it's done very well, taken a lot of traction. Its primary thesis mm-hmm. is that we've got we've created this Google Devta and Facebook Devta. They're like the deities. <laughs> and whatever they're saying is, is the ultimate the truth. truth yeah. yeah. And they can cancel me. Mm-hmm. They can boost somebody and not boost me. And they come up with this thing called community standards, which they have never defined what is meant by community standards. Mm -hmm. When they block you, they just say violating community standards, but they never tell you. And there's no human being available to even tell you what what went wrong on your channel. It's run by algorithms. And these algorithms have replaced human beings. And these algorithms are run under artificial intelligence. So this artificial intelligence basically takes a, builds a profile of your behavior, my behavior, Vijay's behavior, everybody's behavior based on what you like, what you don't like, which offer you prefer and what not, what your whole pattern is. And then after understanding you the way a psychologist would understand you, in fact, far more with far more data than a psychologist. And it then knows how to manage you, manipulate you, uh, you know, to buy this, stay at this hotel, uh, vote for this, help that ideology, whatever it is, and even include hatred for each other and violence can be created. So this is very dangerous. This is like psychological warfare. On, a, on steroids. It's a huge problem. And China was very smart right at the beginning when this was starting. They said, we don't want it. We build our own. And so now you have Chinese companies that are as big as American companies that are huge market share. And they've created a trillion dollar economy of their own in this space. Whereas in our case, not only, not only we denied our companies a kind of an ability to become big by curtailing the uh, American companies, we actually put a lot of money in the hands of the American companies in their pockets. And we sold out our ability, our agency in a sense. The the agency to decide and choose now belongs yes. to the American companies. Yeah. So, I coined the term moronization, means making people into morons.
0: Exactly,
1: Dumbing Even down, moronization of the masses is what is happening. So, yeah. as long as you are a moron, You know, they look after you, they'll tell you what to do. But the moment you assert yourself and you go against the grain because you're a free thinker, they don't like such a person because you're not being controlled and you're not complying with what the algorithm likes. The algorithm has become like the devita. So this is a very serious problem. And I've been being from AI background and computer science background. I've been arguing about this for 20 years that we ought to have rather than our tech workers working for Facebook, and writing their algorithms, which belong to them, we should take the same tech workers and build our own, and we should own it. So our tech, which we are very proud of, are basically like bricklayers from Bihar coming here and building a mansion for a rich man, but they don't own it. Yes, they just—they don't even own one brick out of the millions of bricks they've laid. They all—they just give labor, they get money. They're better off than their fellow other villagers because they are paid better. So the same way, the tech worker is labor for hire. He's just. And the people who make a lot of money are the brokers. The people like Infosys makes a lot of money; they create some billionaires, okay, and others like them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Azim Premji made his money, TCS made their money. But the average individual worker, he owns zero equity in the work he's done. It's not his intellectual property, his copyright, his patent. So India, why India has very, is very weak in artificial intelligence ownership of pro- uh, of intellectual property, right. while the majority of AI workers in the mm-hmm. world are Indians. India has bigger Absolutely. army of tech workers. I say I salute them. But uh, and, and there are more Indians than any any other community in certain kinds of technologies. And yet India has to pay royalties and import this technology because somebody else owns it. And so the, there's a national security risk. You know why the Raphael jet costs so much? Uh-huh. Is because it has artificial intelligence in terms of how uh-huh. it does the warfare. A lot of the Indians, a lot of the people who are working in these play R&D plays are Indians. Uh-huh. Uh, Our people go there and work for other people and then we license back the technology. And we say thank you so much because you're nice to me, you're selling me your technology. But our people built it. So there's there's something stupid about it.
2: And poignant example of China's hypocrisy is the issue of TikTok. India banned TikTok, thankfully. Now, TikTok is a cesspool of woke content. Yes. Which is essentially destroying American youth. Totally, completely destroying American youth. Americans Mm. are very concerned. China also has TikTok, but China's TikTok has nothing to do with the American TikTok is and, that the right? t- and the TikTok content of the world.
1: In Chinese language, different.
2: Uh, no, no, yeah, and the the program itself. They, they, it, but can it's they access? No, skin? they cannot access the same cesspool I of see. rot mm-hmm. that Americans can. So China has a very aggressive, offensive strategy of destroying using wokism to destroy the West, just like Howard is using woke to make India divisive. China uses, like I said, we initially Mm -hmm. said how these Marxist ideologies are good to dismantle. So America is also getting dismantled. American youth are totally uh, um, sort of going crazy with, uh, you know, being getting into this LGBTQ identity issues. They are totally devoid of identity. So China uses TikTok very cleverly, Mm -hmm. uh, getting content from America and, and putting it back in America. And uh, their, uh, their version of TikTok has none of this content.
0: And keeping the Chinese citizens, citizens away from m- this.
2: Well-grounded. They're very, very in- mm-hmm. interested in educating them in science and math. They don't want them to get woke.
0: We've discussed in great, at great length about uh, what Howard is doing and how it's become a nesting ground for uh, these forces. Um, tell us about the Indian billionaires. What could be their interest? You did mention that maybe it's about Hashmani. But uh, should something be done also about that, that there are so many Indian billionaires who are funding wokeism, who are part of this entire propaganda machinery and uh, what needs to be done um, uh, to kind of either engage with them and tell them about the further ramifications of what this sinister um, machine would lead to.
1: So, you know, my book AI and the future of power criticized Jio, reliance for bringing in billions of dollars and selling a lot of equity to Facebook and Google and so on. And in the process, licensing their technology for use in India. Mm-hmm. So we are kind of bringing them more into India. Mm-hmm. By We are paying them money and thinking that they are helping us, giving them equity and bringing them more into India. The same could have been done better if you take a certain slice of our own tech engineers mm-hmm. and make them develop our own platform. They, it, people like TCS and Reliance got the deep pockets. They are the only ones who can do it. Government cannot uh, fund it. And small little people, it's not a startup business. It's a business that requires a large scale. So, the the billionaires did not do the responsible thing. We don't even have an Indian version of Al Jazeera. I'm, I'm talking about international Correct. footprint like a BBC, like, uh, you know, Fox and Al Jazeera, we do not have something like that. We have chota mota here and there. I mean, the Republic is not a global kind of a thing, you know. So, uh, we haven't done mainstream media, we haven't done social media. And instead, we are funding the wrong things elsewhere. And we are doing it because it's very fashionable and cool.
0: No, just want I understand about Howard, how do I explain something like Ashoka University, Godridge Labs, uh, So, you know, as Ashoka, is some,
1: some of my friends, were involved in the funding of ashoka and they thought that it's just cool they're following the other rich people this guy is doing it he's my classmate from iit i'll also do it so they got into it Mo- most of them didn't quite know uh, the ramifications the civilizational ramifications a few of them did and th- they might be sold out also so ashoka calls itself the harvard of india and it, it is doing a lot of the dirty work for harvard uh, just absolutely. a couple of days ago a tweet came out that uh, in manipur They have uh, they have been finding people who are rebellious against India and who are using this vocism to rebel against India as a nation state. And how uh, Ashoka groomed them, gave them some grants and groomed them and picked the best ones. And now those are Harvard. They're called protected scholars. There's a term for uh, scholars at risk. It's called a program for protecting scholars at risk. So, you know, if you are a rebellious person in Manipur and they've targeted and they've bred you for a while and they've checked you out and you are really solid on their wavelength, then they will give you that title. So now if somebody ever criticizes you or anything happens to you, because if, let's say, you you break the law and they prosecute you, you are a scholar being protected by Harvard. So this is a program. These are the kind of things that they are up to. Uh, Ashoka is part of this. Uh, do you want to talk about Premji um, and also Priya? Actually,
2: before, Ashok- see, Ashoka is hailed as the the premier liberal arts mm-hmm. institute, the Harvard of India, so to speak. And we and the new education policy is trying to bring in more Ashokas, yes. which is the sad part, but that's a different subject. Now, Ashoka has uh, a center for gender studies and sexuality. They want, uh, there are experts who, whom they bring in, who want to uh, bring in pornography into education. They feel pornography has a mm-hmm. role. education big role so sex education is not about abstinence and uh, sex health and all of that it's about bringing in pornography it is about destigmatizing deviant sexual behavior yeah. so these are all ideas to dismantle family and including society, rape I- including rape it, as they say rape is also something that should not be stigmatized as long as it's, it's th- there's some new, social construct yeah and and who's <laughs> to talk of what pleasure is because oh, uh, you might like pleasure as uh, someone else might like pain and so um, to so this whole BDSM, oh, yeah. uh, you know, there's a kinky collective that they are promoting. So the, so this is what happens in, uh, gender studies. Then there is China studies, which is essentially bringing in, it's a, it's a doorway for Ch- the, for China mm. through Harvard, the Institute to bring in how Indians should look at China, Chinese civilization and China studies. So it is China's version of China studies that is coming through Ashoka to teach Indians and Indian students on China studies, then there is something on behavioral science where Ashoka wants to. um, So Gates has a problem with Indian women being at home and not being part of the labor force. So how do you make them participate more in the labor force? So they use behavior. How do we change behavior? Why are Indians so um, uh, into karma and destiny and 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 uh, and essentially is vilified. So they say we have to separate that. So how do you use behavior science and AI? To change in the the normal amadmi's idea of of life and you know and karma and dharma and all of that so that's that that's found you know and of course gates has no love loss for indian women or for indian civilization but he's funding this for behavior change then there is trivedi institute of data which is mining wholesale data on indian polity who stood for election which from from the panchayat level up to you know um you know, the biggest elections in India right. in states, they're collecting information of every every person that stood for election. What is how many languages they know? What is their qualification? So this is huge scale data mining, which is funded actually by the French external Ministry of External Affairs. So it's like an espionage. I mean, yeah. Ashok, if you look at it, read between the lines, that's what it is. And it has an election commissioner, who, a retired election commissioner, who is heading this. Ashoka, and some of the theories have
0: been debunked. And in fact, all the data on OBCs, in fact, Nalin Mehta called it out and said that it was some of it was uh, not even it did not have any credibility because they got it all wrong.
2: So, so you, you know, Ashoka
1: a- is for sale. Ashoka is sold out already. Big two p- foreign. And co- it's a national co-
2: security risk
1: for for, for foreign yeah. countries to come in. And do data mining of India, and Ashoka organizes it and looks like something good for India, uh, but actually the siphoning of data and giving it to other countries. This should be. There is no data protection that is being used to clamp down. And on people
2: this are paying eleven lakhs, ten to eleven lakhs a year for their children to be educated in Ashoka. So this is the same thing with Korea. Saudi Arabia has uh, one in four in Saudi Arabia is poor, but right. they have funded something in something in MIT. <laughs> Called j uh, and
1: PL is Poverty Action Action Lab. Lab, but it's the poverty of Indians only. It's a poverty.
2: Of, Saudi Arabia is a drug capital of the Middle East. Funded Saudi MIT,
1: Joe. rather than bringing technology to MIT to India, India, which is what we thought MIT yes. would do, bringing Korea's in this study of Indian poverty for their benefit
0: by the Saudis. By the Saudis. So, I, I, what is this obsession with uh, with, uh, with liberal arts, so to speak, and uh, so so the BJP? And, yeah, so the BJP I,
2: should reconsider this see, whole one ADP. Of the,
1: you should, as a BJP person, you should bring our ideas and we want to discuss there. We have no access to them. But sure. I think BJP BJP does not have good policies. Even on liberal arts, they are popularizing liberal arts. And that brings in Harvard liberal arts because we do not have a, an Indian idea Indigenous. of liberal arts. That but, has been but, but
0: tell me, there must be a, 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 a our government and BGP as a party and with Modi as a leader, obviously the, uh, he's done something right. Because, yes, yes. Because yes. They, they vilify him constantly. Yes. He is such a bad. He, they make him out to be some sort of a dictator. And now the our democracy ratings are also going down because yeah. we, apparently we're not a great democracy. Yeah, that's also the, a Harvard some new, new Exactly. Harvard. So the, the new parameters. So they keep coming with these per- per- parameters. So I'm talking about that. I mean, obviously Modi ji has done something right. Jayashankar yes. Shankar is doing something right. right. The way they're batting out there and the way Indians are uh, battling them, this shows there is a lot of fight. And uh, uh, and we just that while we take up cudgels against them, the fact of the matter is that they are totally rattled by the electoral victory no, of BGP. My... And, and, and the mind space. The, this I mean... party, a nationalist party, true. has captured the imagination. True.
1: But but true. But but uh, just to clarify. My uh, uh, concern about them is that they have not gone deep enough in doing I what they're doing. I get that. they are fighting fires superficially, but I think they need to understand all this history of uh, the Americanization of Marxism, then critical race theory, critical caste theory, this intersectionality, how it's coming to India. They need to modiji. If I had one request, what is it
0: incorrect, and how how can it be followed up? So so Tell I would us. I would you say start because we, we will so, right. use it to be edited or for sure all this.
1: sure. But, but I would say that if somebody asked me. What's your one wish? What's your one wish? I would say, Modi ji, please call these Indian billionaires together and tell them there are a lot of things written here about what you guys are doing that is harming our country. Let's have an amicable discussion with the authors and you to see why you are doing it. What would it take to change your mind? How could you, what about turning the Mittal Center into pro-India and using Harvard the way China does as a platform to bring Pro India. Do, don't the, you
0: think instead of Modi ji asking this question, Indians should be asking this question? We somewhere.
1: want in, that's what we are trying to do. We are trying want to, work
2: flicks to do that. We, are, we you are, want workflicks. Yes. I would this question, say uh, the, the, the parents you, should refuse to put their children in in liberal arts yes. colleges. You focus only on STEM till we get our own indigenous liberal arts. And in the mean we meanwhile the education department can bring in other universities, but only for STEM things that that our country needs.
1: The reason we name names is because we want some healthy pressure in a constructive sense. We don't want to uh, attack them personally or anything like that. But we think that there should be good debate on Indian billionaires influence in a foreign country which is working against India.
0: Okay, last two questions. The first question is about what has been done so far that has managed to rattle uh, all these global forces which are looking at dismantling Hindutva, vilifying Hindutva and attacking India. What has, what have we done correctly so far?
1: So I would say that the India story in terms of development, economics, managing COVID uh, is really a good story and needs to be told. Unfortunately, in the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health, which is Mm -hmm. named after the Chinese and $350 million came from China. They are Ah. praising China's attacking, uh, handling of COVID. Never accused China of the starting of COVID. Okay. Whereas the uh, the Piramal School of Public Health, which is started by Piramal people, uh, they are rather than promoting Ayurved, rather than not, rather than promoting uh, India's COVID, India's uh, COVID vaccination program being very successful, Absolutely. they are not. Uh, they are talking more about what minorities given proper treatment during COVID and so on. So I think I think that our uh, our people need to turn, rethink, uh, get a proper audit done, and rethink. Whether we are being fair or not, because the mo- what the government has done in the last eight years needs to be presented at international forums, and and if you if you have billionaires funding, then they should also have a panel on the Modi Modi years. What has been an objective? They can have critics also, but then they should also have people like you responding to those critics. They I I am not saying censor them, and I'm not saying make it like a political thing where our people are there and nobody else criticizes. It should be healthy. But right now it's not healthy. So the story, the the story of India's contributions, how these eight years compared to the past, you know, seventy years or whatever, and how Absolutely. these how these compare with other countries in the world, how the GDP has grown, the yes. the, the houses being built, lakhs of houses, crores of houses being built for people, yes. uh, women's education, w- women's education, uh, the infrastructure. I mean, all kinds of things have been yes. done. These need to be featured. Uh, my my, uh, my request, Lakshmi Mithalji, the center for South Asia should feature these and uh, Anand Mahindraji, your your humanities center should feature these and Piramalji you should feature the India story of uh, you know India's contributions to the pharma industry and the medical industry and the traditional medicine here. So uh, they they are they are sitting at Harvard. they have Harvard's uh, they're in the, in the inside. But they're not doing our job. They're not
0: only are they
2: not then doing about some genocide that has never happened. No, no. will ever happen. Yeah. They're not. Not only are they not doing that, there is an after 2019, they, they are shocked <laughs> and absolutely stunned as to how the BJP is, uh, is still in power. So there is they're feverishly working on many fronts. Certainly. So uh, there's Brown University's Varshney's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he was an ex Harvard person. Yeah. So they're working so with Harvard. Zagindra, right? uh, yeah, ha- working with Harvard to see, you know, this populist sort of Modi figure emerging and how do we, you know, stop that. Then there is um, the uh, Neiman um, Institute, which is the um, Journalism Institute Mm -hmm. in Harvard. So they are working on funding fellows that could spin narratives to stop Modi. Then they're working with Facebook and WhatsApp to do AI based studies on how. Uh, misinformation and disinformation can be curtailed, especially during elections, because these elections are the uh, yielding results that they are not liking. So using AI. So the, and then there is Amnesty International and all those people funding research at Harvard, using Indians and Harvard students and researchers to see how can we uh, put out narratives on human rights that are favorable to the Harvard narrative. So they are now they're using it's a force multiplier with AI and partnerships with uh, facebook of course zuckerberg will come and say namaste and wear a shawl with modi ji but at the back and they are jeff bezos would do the same yeah so they have actual research projects and initiatives to bring down the bjp so we are not saying one way or the other but Somebody interfering, an outside and government, and it's not just the the elected government of India. Correct. It's what people have but chosen a the foreign agency and trying to interfere. if you believe interfere. in
1: democracy, you have to believe in the outcome of
0: democracy.
2: But they don't. It's not. It's not to their liking. It's not. But it's the tyranny of the
0: majoritarian party. You see. <laughs> see, it's all about words and semantics. Right. How well you use them. The bigger the word, the more incomprehensible. Right. The more is supposed to <laughs> r- rabble rouse. The the cooler you are, the more intellectual you are. Um, Great talking to both of you. Your last message besides Satyamev Jayate, because eventually truth will prevail. My the last message that you want to give to a whole lot of Vogue Flix followers there who believe in a robust, vibrant India. And
2: uh, that how could they participate in this and call out all of these? I think first thing, number one, there is always a bullying tactic that's hmm. the, that is used, whether making you use pronouns or making you be politically correct. Yes, because and this making you use pronouns and things like that takes you away from the truth. It's mm-hmm. not like you're disrespectful, but you should not cave in. The 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 far left has a way of making you cave in and say, yes, uh, I will listen to you or change language or even admit to something that you never did. Yes, my forefathers were all, uh, you know, uh, they are all uh, castists and we, we've we done terrible things and if live in the, the perpetual guilt, guilt of... and, and they kind of put a guilt and then you have to say sorry and it never ends there. Then you have to become an ally. So it, it never ends. So I think it's good to stand your own ground, never cave into any kind of bullying, including your HR department telling you to use pronouns because this whole pronouns business has to stop. And these yeah. are small things we can do because we've done nothing wrong and if somebody looks like a woman we call them a she we refer to them as she somebody is not like as birthing, a birthing
0: units if e- you please e- exactly yeah <laughs> all
2: these you know birthing person birthing person this. birthing body exactly so all these sort of terms we should absolutely reject because if we give them an inch they would take a mile, mile you know
1: so i would like the youth to put some pressure on the indian billionaires not rude not try to attack them personally but but first of all first of all i let me tell you Each chapter is about a particular problem. So, there is a Mahindra Humanities Center chapter. There is a Lakshmi Mittal chapter. There is a Piramal chapter. Like that there are. So, you don't need to read 800 pages. Don't be scared of the book. You need to read the introduction which is 30-40 pages. And there is a one page overview of every chapter. So, if you read the one page overview of every chapter, you get a bird's eye view of what is in that chapter. And after reading the introduction, understanding the whole map, you can then dive into a particular topic. If you want to study about what is this guy doing, uh, uh, Suresh Jangde doing in Harvard, just go to that Chapter 5 and that's it. If you want to know what is Ajanta Subramanian, how she's is attacking IITs, go to Chapter 4. If you want to go and look at what is Lakshmi Mittal doing at Harvard, what is his problem, what is he all up to, there is one chapter on that. So, I would say if each of you read the introduction, then go and read even one chapter. You will have talking knowledge. You will be so good at it. Then take the act as an activism. So, if you read the Mahindra chapter, fine, you, there's a lot of ammunition there. You, should, you can then put uh, put questions to Mr. Mahindra in a polite, dignified way and say, please tell us, why is this happening? Why is that happening? Why did the guy say this in your name in with, with your money? If you choose the Piramal chapter, there will be a lot of things, activism you can do. Every chapter can be turned into an opportunity, the knowledge to become an activist. Every chapter.
0: Fantastic. So, I, I think and also the, per, the pursuit has to be that of seeking the truth. Mm-hmm. So, truth will prevail, we Absolutely. believe. And uh, thank you so much for talking about all these great subjects. Um, you need to keep talking to us more, to work, more because… We will. We, yes.
1: I want to say truth will pr- prevail, but first it will piss you off. Yeah. Some people will get pissed off. And that is part of the truth spreading. Because truth is taking you out of your comfort zone. Yeah. The truth requires you to get out of your comfort zone and you may get ticked off, but that's part of then you have to accept and deal with it.
0: Yes. Um, there is a lot of pressure that comes of peer pressure, looking good, being fashionable uh, and all these, they are part of that. So I think it's important for the youth also, for our, for our young friends out there to know that there is nothing cool about this. Thanks. There is a sinister design at place. Correct. So and an average Indian I'm sure can um, overcome. This, this, these global forces, which are looking at disintegrating India and breaking us down, right from the family to the country. So, thank you so much.
1: Workflix is a. Um, it seems like I didn't know about it, and it's an amazing initiative. I think you've hit the right thing, nail on the head. Yes. And I wish you all the best, and we'd love to work with you. Right.
2: Thank, thank you so much, and thank you for having us. Thank you yes. for having us.
1: Namaste. Namaste. Namaste.